Dear friends, today's reading is Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 15, as follows. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on Berea, stayed at Berea even, The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, lovely people. And it is so lovely to be with you all once again in the nave. And both the nave online and the nave in this physical building. And as I stand underneath this roof structure, which reminds us of an upside down boat, I'm reminded of how the Lord keeps us safe on the journey of life. And as we sail the seas, sometimes rough, the Lord blesses us and keeps us safe. And this is a safe place now to gather in his name. And it's another reminder, if we even need it, that before we go any further, we need to pray. So Father God, we give thanks for your word. And we ask now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to hear your word. Help us to listen to the things that you want us to hear and turn away from the things that you want us to forget. In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. Do you know when an election is about to happen? Or indeed, we're in election season. How through your door seems to come a ton of leaflets. Leaflets from the different parties and candidates seeking to get your vote. 
leaflet upon leaflet upon leaflet. Leaflets that you pick up and go, oh, how many trees have to suffer to produce these? Or, oh, have I got room in the recycling for even more of this? Or, oh, politicians, what are they like? You don't hear a word from them all year long. And then when you want your vote, they just bombard you with information. You know, those really annoying leaflets that you get. Well, I used to write those. Way before I was a vicar, one of my first jobs out of university was to write these election leaflets. And not just write them, but deliver them as well. And I've got to say, again, before we go any further, I'm sorry. I know just how annoying they were. But did you also know that they're not just random bits of information shoved through your door? And in fact, there's a real science behind it all. What leaflets are delivered to what parts of a community? What words are written on those leaflets? What pictures and graphics are used? The frequency of how many are delivered and where to? All of that, there is so much thought process that goes on. And even on the physical leaflet itself, so much analysis goes on with the words and everything else that are used. I had to learn that the hard way. As I say, when I first got that job, I wasn't long out of university. And when I was in university, people used to say to me, you know what, you are quite a good writer. You write a good essay. Thinking, brilliant, I've made it. I applied all of that knowledge to my first ever election leaflet. I showed it to my boss and he looked at it looked at me with some kind of disgust and basically said, you pompous little oik, what on earth is this? Go and do it again. Devastated, I said, what do you mean? What do you want me to do? To which he said, know your audience. And after that, he gave me a lesson. He got out loads of different newspapers, asked me to read them all, look at the sentence structures and actually see what most people read on a daily basis. And yes, it was very, very different to the things that I used to write in university. I had to change my whole writing style to adapt to this new form of media. But it also taught me this valuable lesson. And one of the most simple lessons that goes with any kind of communication, whether it's written, whether it's verbal, whether it's on the phone, whether it's by email or anything else for that matter, know your audience. Understand who exactly you are speaking to. Now, when we look at the Bible, Jesus was the master of this. He absolutely knew his audience inside and out. When we read through the gospel accounts, you see him speaking to farmers in a farming way. You speak, see him speaking to seafaring people in a seafaring kind of way. You see him speaking to the intellectuals in an intellectual kind of way. You see him speaking to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, in a very non-Jewish way. You see him speaking to the Pharisees in a very Pharisee type way, the Sadducees in a very Sadducee type way, the disciples in their way and beyond. Read through it and you see what an absolute genius at communication Jesus was. And it's no wonder his ministry was so effective as the Lord spoke through the Spirit upon him to do these things. He was God. 
Of course, he could do it. But what about those who came after him? And especially in our reading today, Paul in Thessalonia, because he himself also appears to be something of a master of communication. He understood his audience very well. He had travelled with his companions to Thessalonia, and there you had a mixture of very strong-up intellectual Gentiles, prominent women who were really important to the organisation of that Greek society, and you had Jews as well. Before this, Paul had spoken to a different group of people in a different way, but now he was using all those skills of intellect, all those skills of understanding the Jewish law, all the skills of reason to communicate with this group of people, and it worked. He really knew his audience. The Lord's Spirit was upon him, and so many people came to faith. And you know what? That key lesson of knowing your audience is so important to us today as well. One thing we speak a lot about in church is the need for evangelism, the need to proclaim the gospel, the need to communicate the gospel with a world that doesn't really know the gospel story. We know that we live in a society, in a nation, which by and large has forgotten the good news of Jesus, forgotten the gospel, and we know we need to do something about it. We know that somewhere around only 2% of people in this country go to church on a Sunday. We know there is a huge need out there. And we know that we need people who will act as evangelists to tell their story, to tell the story of the gospel, to see people come to faith. Now, traditionally, we have adopted this particular method of telling people the gospel by getting special people to do these things. People with dog collars in churches, special evangelists, and holding special events to get people into church one way or another. And by and large, though we can't knock it, it's also fair to say that the success has been limited. Maybe we need to rethink what it is to tell the story of the gospel and to rethink what it is for us to know our audience. Maybe one of the biggest questions we need to ask ourselves is, who are our audience? Who are we speaking to? Who are we communicating the gospel to? Because that will differ for us from community to community, to church community to church community. It will differ from person to person. And you know what? Every single one of us has a role to play in it as well. It isn't just for the preacher. It isn't just for the super evangelist. It is for each and every one of us. We ourselves are called to tell the gospel story, just as Jesus did, and just like Paul did, to this church and the people of Thessalonia, to see people come to faith as well. And yes, we need to know our audience as well. Perhaps the big question is, how do we get to know this audience? How do we get to know the people who we want to talk to? How do we get to know the community or the groups of the community or whatever else that's going on? We do it by talking. We do it by listening. And we do it by valuing people around us. 
and we don't need to speak to large groups of people sometimes we just need to speak to one person two people a family of people a friend a work colleague whatever understand them understand their needs understand their questions and understand where they're at tell them our story tell them what the Lord has done for us and watch them and pray for them and seek that they themselves would come to know the story of the gospel did you know there's something close to only seven percent of people come to church because of people like me vicars the vast majority of people 87 or so percent in fact come to church because of a person who goes to church someone who's befriended them somebody who they've met somebody who was in their community who they've had a conversation with people come to church through people because people know people we get to know the audience and when we know the audience we know how to tell the story of the gospel fundamentally that is what happened in the book of acts they knew the audience and they spoke to the context of that audience and we need to do it as well and you know what when we do it the results can be absolutely amazing more and more people can come to church more and more people can have their salvation more and more people can have the life-changing experience of coming to know the lord and savior jesus christ more and more people can be involved in the work of the kingdom of god and they themselves can go and tell their audiences the message too keep telling the gospel sharing the gospel seeing the gospel shared throughout communities and before we know it we've got a revival on our hands and isn't that a wonderful thing to look forward to yes is the answer but also no as well and i'll tell you for why because revivals are really messy things when people come to faith they bring their issues and we've all got issues when people come to faith they tend to change things in church they tend to change the order of how we do stuff when people come in they need to be loved and valued as perhaps we love and value each other and seeing more and more people come to faith will alter everything that we're about it will alter the makeup of our churches it will alter our friendship groups it will alter our style of worship even it will alter absolutely anything and you know what it sounds good on paper but in practice it can really suck and it can make us think well what's the point i used to be a somebody in this church and now all of a sudden other people are coming in to want to do stuff it can bring a change and change isn't always a lovely thing and certainly in the context of this reading in Thessalonia it wasn't a very nice thing at all after Paul saw these Greeks these Jews these prominent women in the community come to faith it disrupted that community and it disrupted to such an extent that a group of people wanted to rise up and get rid of them the safety of that community the dynamic of that community everything that people knew about that community was on the change and for those who didn't like that change it was a scary scary thing and so these troublemakers great word came up 
and decided to get rid of Paul and his companions and pull it all back. Get a bit of order back, perhaps, and see life how it always should have been. Get rid of this phase called Christianity once and for all. And you know what? I kind of understand where they were coming from because all change, even really good change, brings with it its own threat. And we need to be aware of that threat before we want to see the church grow. If we want to communicate the gospel in such a way that so many more people will come to faith, we've got to know that it will come at a price. We've got to know that it will come at a cost. And we've got to know that when it happens, it will bring change. You know what? Vickers for generations and generations and generations have talked about church change. We've talked about church change. We've talked about big plans. We've talked about doing this, that and the other. We've talked about the need for change. And too often we look back and think, yeah, we've seen some change maybe, but not loads of change. Because change so often itself can feel slow and takes a lot of effort and other things come up. But here we are in a situation where we've been forced to change. COVID itself has brought a lot of change to the church. COVID has changed so many ways in which we meet together and worship. We've been forced to change in so many ways. It's crazy to think that a year and a half ago, doing a service online like this would have been less laughable. We'd have been so focused on being in a church building on a Sunday that we never would have contemplated doing church in this way. But we were forced into that change and the gospel itself can be communicated more because of it. And we want to communicate the gospel more because of it. And you know what? Feel free to share this Facebook thing. Feel free to share this service on your social media or stick it on another YouTube thing, whatever. Share the gospel that way if you need to and the Lord makes you want to do it as well. This change that we are going through is inevitable and it is scary. People coming to faith is scary. The church in itself changing is scary people rise up against it and more than ever we need to know the heart of the true audience that we serve as Liz would say the audience of one the Lord our God in heaven we serve him and when we put our eyes on him all those other changes make sense all those other things make sense all those scary things make sense the vision of what he wants to do makes sense. The desire to value other people and see them as an audience to tell a gospel to makes sense as well. The desire to actually communicate and be open about our faith makes sense as well. There's one thing above all which Paul did and his companions did and of course Jesus certainly did and that was look to the Father in heaven. And from the Father in heaven, the insight came. The knowledge of the audience, the knowledge of the communication, the knowledge and the desire to speak and the ability to speak and tell as well came through the power of the Spirit. Now, I've said this before 
And you know what? It's worth saying again. I really believe that the Lord wants to move. I believe that the Lord wants to move in Arboristeth, where I physically am now. But I believe the Lord wants to move in the land of Wales as well. I believe that the Lord wants to move in the UK, in Western Europe, North America, and other parts of the world where the Christian message is struggling, where church attendances are falling. I believe that the Lord truly wants to move. But in order for him to move, he needs us to be willing as well. He needs us to be willing to get up and do what Paul did and communicate the gospel. He needs us to be willing to get out there and persuade people, know the audience and tell them who Jesus is. He needs us to be willing to change, to go along with what has happened at the time. And he needs us to be able to resist those who get cross and angry when that change comes its way. We need to focus on the Lord and we need to be directed by him. There are and there can be exciting times on the way exciting and scary times but when we're in the service of the Lord it is all good and I want to pray now for us that we would be communicators of the gospel I want to pray that we would know the audience to whom we and I mean we each and every one of us is speaking the gospel to I want to pray against the fear of the natural change that will come when others come to faith as well Father God, we give thanks for your word. And we give thanks for the example of Paul and how he spoke to the audience in Thessalonia. And Lord, we pray that we would know our audience as well and the people who you want us to speak the word of the gospel to. And I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit where we are. And where we are now, you would give us names, you would give us insight, you would give us knowledge of how to speak you would give us the courage to speak as well and have the conversations that need to happen. I pray you would reveal to us now in our minds and throughout this day and in this week and in our dreams as well, the names that you were placed in our hearts to speak your gospel to. I pray that we would know our audience and who to speak to. And I pray, Lord, that through the communication of your gospel message, the church would grow. The kingdom of God will grow. More and more people will come to know the Lord. And whether that's in a physical church building or online, more and more people will come to know the name of the Lord. And I pray that would bring so much change. Change to the church, change to the kingdom, change to the community, and yes, Lord, change to the world. And I pray that we would not fear that change. And I pray that you would strengthen us to resist the fear of change and the want to fight against that change. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would wash over us all. Wash over us now and make it all good. Lord, come and bless us, we pray. And we ask that you would send us out in the power of your spirit to be your evangelists, to be your communicators in this world. Send us out, we pray. Amen. Amen.